0: Hi, this is Rob Reed from Magenta, Cyan, Sanctuary, Compendium, etc., etc., and you're listening to Michael's Record Collection.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, where we talk about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. I'm your host, Michael Citro, and this is episode number 126. My guest for this episode is multi-instrumentalist, composer, producer, Rob Reed. You may know Rob from his band Magenta, one of the great modern-day progressive rock bands. Rob's got another band, Cyan, and Cyan actually predates Magenta, but Cyan is back with a brand new lineup of excellent musicians, and they are in the process of re-releasing all of the original Cyan albums. Just came out with pictures from the other side on November 17th on Rob's own label. And I can't wait to bring you that interview with Rob. These are not just reissues, folks. Rob has gone in and meticulously listened to every song. And some of these have been changed significantly. Some not so much, but they've they've all been altered in some way course they've all been re-recorded with the new musicians, new vocalist, and Rob has uh, taken parts out. He's stripped some songs down. He's added parts in. He's extended things. He's changed the tempo of some of these things. So there's been a lot of work done to these, and they're basically brand new albums. If you thought you knew Cyan from before, wait till you hear the new songs. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you, you can go to michaelsrecordcollection.com, where you can find links to everything, including... How to sign up for my free newsletter comes to your email every week. There's also a link there to my Patreon site where you can support this podcast and my newsletter for as little as $2 a month. And of course, the more you support, the greater your benefits are. There are links there, of course, to all my social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. But I hardly ever TikTok. I'd also love to hear from you, so drop me a line at Michael'sRecordCollection@gmail.com. at gmail.com. All right, with all of that housekeeping out of the way, let's get to the interview with Rob Reed of Magenta and also of Cyan. Here we go. I am joined by Rob Reed from, you know him from Magenta, but maybe you don't know him from Cyan, but you should. Rob, thank you for your time. Great to be here. Pleasure. Your new album coming out, Pictures from the Other Side, uh, November 17th release date for this. And yep. uh, you 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 just came out uh what about uh, two years ago, I guess for King and country came out. Yep. And these are, these are, are kind of, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them straight reissues, but uh, they're re recordings no, no. and, and you've, you've done quite a bit of bulking up to these, uh, these releases and I can't wait to to jump into them, but I wanted to start out by asking what I always ask my guests. And that was, what was your first
0: favorite record? Oh <laughs> God, back back in the day, um, God, I t- I tell you what, a record I loved, which got me into music, which which had a real uh, strange prog connection, which I did I didn't realize at the time, was that I loved Life on Mars by David Bowie, and as a young kid, I was just I loved the piano playing on it, and I had no idea it was Rick Wakeman playing the piano i just loved the track and that that was that really got me into music and then um two blue bells is my biggest you know that was my moment of like this is what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life (laughs) you know
1: (laughs) yeah oh i gotta tell you life on mars my favorite bowie song so uh good oh incredible yeah for sure incredible um, I want you to tell me a little bit about your, your background, because you you obviously are a very accomplished keyboard and piano player. What When did you yep. start taking lessons or, or become interested in playing instruments?
0: God, you know, say it was after hearing Life on Mars, I wanted to be a piano player. So I, I started piano lessons at like seven years of age, and I hated practicing. I got bored. I used to, you know i do all my scales and stuff, and then I would sort of make up little tunes. So I learned the sort of basics of it and did a load of exams. But I just got drawn. I think you reach a point when you're a piano player, you're either going to become like a, a concert pianist, which means loads of practicing, or you get into rock and roll and you think, right, I'm just going to be able to, I'm going to play whatever I want. And that was where I went. You know, it was, mm-hmm. I cued Genesis and Yes and all that stuff. And I was like, I want a bit of that. That's what I want to play. I want to play like Rick Wakeman. And um, and I just got into bands and stuff and into recording and, and things. And as I said, you know, Tubular Bells was when I, when I heard that album, I was really young and it just sort of blew my mind that one person could play all these instruments and make this music. And I just became obsessed with learning to play all these instruments and, I had two old cassette recorders and I would multitrack on them. You know, I would, I'd just play one, put a little mic in front of it, play a second instrument, and it would sound horrendous, but I would get tape on, you know, and then more more, more, more uh, equipment, guitars and getting older and then being in bands. And it's a slippery slope then, isn't it? And then I'm just into just doing music all the time, really.
1: Now, you uh, you mentioned other instruments. How many other instruments do you play?
0: God, I, I can play. I can get away with lots of instruments. How many I can actually play uh, properly? But um, I piano is my. I love playing proper piano. You know these these synthesizers. There's there's no feeling them. You know I think keyboard players in bands have a rough deal because you know the you basically the, you can't you can't put any expression into it. You just got to press the note and it just triggers a sound so i love where any chance i can to play a real piano that's what i'm at because you you can you can actually put dynamics into it mm-hmm. and uh, i love all that or a hammond organ where you can play a bit more rock and roll but but i just love the challenge of playing all these instruments and i love playing bass that's my second love I, and i'm a huge fan of chris squire so all my Magenta records and Cyan, they've all got crazy bass lines on them because I, I love bass being up front and driving the track, really.
1: hmm yeah. So this is a picture from the other side. It's a six-song CD. You also uh, have a, a special edition with a DVD with 5.1 surround mix, which I love. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the 5.1 surround. Yeah. And it's also got a live acoustic performance uh, of songs from the first album from uh, for yeah. King & Country. Um, tell me a little about Cyan's band's history because this is sort of an on-again off-again band it's been over the yeah, years
0: it's it's a weird it's a, it's a strange story but it's it takes me right back to being in school when i was in the sort of sixth form of school and just about to leave school and a couple of us had a band we had a band a little bit of um talent And a huge dream of being Genesis, and yes, you know, but we were in school and we we put this band together and we cobbled together a few bob, some money, and we went into a local studio, made this real rough demo, but it was mind blowing for us to go in and play as a band and hear it back with the monitors. And we made this demo and I sort of, everyone left school, I sent it off to a few people and I sent it to Nick Barrett from Pendragon. And he loved it and he he wrote me back a letter saying, this is great, this is great. So he sent it on to a label in Holland, and I said, yeah, we like it. We wanted to make a record. And he was like, well, everyone's left now. The band has left and gone to various places. I was left on my own. Mm -hmm. So with the Mike O'Field influence, I thought, right, I'll make the record myself. I'll sing on it. I'll play bass and guitar. And I had a drum machine. And I made this first record, uh, which was for King & Country. And we put it out. I did really well. And he was like, oh, no, we want another one. So I did, right, Okay pictures from the other side. We put that one out. And I did well. And we did another, I did three together By the time of the third one, I was sort of I was doing a pop career, doing pop music with Christina from Magenta. And all that fell apart. And I said to her, look, let's form, let's do a prog band. Me and you, we'll have a female fronted prog band. And we started Magenta. So that just exploded and I ended up putting cyan to one side, really. I parked it, you know, all those years ago. And then I had 20 years of magenta. But always in the back of my head, I thought there were some great tunes on back in the day. I wrote in school. I had a real innocence about the way I wrote, which I've lost now, because I'm like too much thinking about what would, what reviewers going to say? What are the fans going to say? What the rec company going to say? Blah, blah, blah. Back in the day, I was making music for myself in school. It was like, I just just wrote it, so it was great to go back and re-record it with all this technology I've got, all the all the instruments, and then I put a, a killer band together. Because I was I was sort of thinking, oh, do I do it? Do I do it? Do I re-record it? And, but once I heard Pete Pete Jones singing it, that was the moment I thought, yep, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna be spectacular, you know, with him singing. Because for me, it's all about the vocalist, and I've been really lucky to have Christina in Magenta, who's one of the best female singers. Yeah, sure. And and now Pete, to me, is one of the best male singers, and it just makes the music, it just transforms it.
1: you've definitely had some uh, some good fortune in finding phenomenal singers for your work that's for sure yeah uh, you mentioned magenta of course that's how i came across you with uh, with this album which is oh. it's over 20 years old can you believe that
0: oh my god well like as i said i made that record after coming out of a pop career and we were like it nearly killed me and christina doing it it was so harsh uh and brutal. I mean, I said, No more. I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a prog album. And at the time of making that record, prog was so uh, such a dirty word. Nobody wanted to be prog. No one. All the bands now who say we are prog, they were like disowning it. Oh, we're a rock band, we ain't a prog band. Hmm. So when I made that record, I thought, right, I'm gonna make the most progest album I can. It's gonna have 25 minute tracks on it. It's going to be a concept. It's going to be a double album. It's going to be loads of solos on it. It's going to sound like Genesis. Yes, Pink Floyd. And we put it out and everyone loved it. It was like, because no, because everyone, everybody was scared to make a record like that in -hmm. those days, especially with a female singer. So, you know, so that's that's when I made, when that record kicked off, that's when I had to park Cyan really. So, I can't Um, complain.
1: Yeah, it was to me, it was it was like a renaissance, uh, the band renaissance for the 21st century. Uh, it just um, was well, yeah, a, that, it that was, was a temp- it was revolutions was a revelation.
0: <laughs> well, that's I, well, it, you know, and and renaissance was that was that that was my template because I, I love renaissance and I love Annie Haslam's voice and bizarrely like Tina, Christina, she got no no grasp of prog rock. She knows nothing about <laughs> prog. She's she's a punk. She yeah. comes from the punk era. So when she came in to sing this these tracks, and I was saying, oh, they're going to be 25 minutes long. It's like, what? And it's going to be about wizards and blah, and all this. And she's like, what? And, but she sang it. And then when I heard it, I thought, my God, she sounds like Annie Haslam. Mm-hmm. And, and I've met Annie since. And it's so, it's so bizarre that, you know, that... She she sounded like that. It wasn't intentional. I didn't know it until she actually sang with that but ba- all that sort of prog backing. And I, it came out and I thought, My God, it sounds like Annie, which is really strange, but great as well, because I love Annie Hazen's vocal.
1: Yeah. And you guys got to record with Annie. You got to you got to have both of them on the same record.
0: We did. We did a record and we met. We did we did um uh what what do we do? We was uh, not you near festival. You did yeah, night and day. I said, yeah, we did that, and that which, which is incredible again to you know to have the her vocals to play with, and we met up with her when we did. Uh, it wasn't EO fest, what was the other one? It was uh, Rossfest. We did Ross fest, uh festival, and she was there, and she was very kind and very complimentary, and uh, yeah, that, that was lovely. And it's great to work with your heroes, which I've been lucky enough to work with a few. So it's uh, you know, and they've all been lovely. So this
1: is good. Yeah, I was fortunate—a uh, fortunate enough to catch you at Rosfest, uh, and that was a, a big treat. So uh, it was yeah. good to, get to see you guys, because obviously on this side of the pond we don't get to see you guys very often. Uh, and no. I definitely, before I leave Magenta, I wanna, I wanna mention Seven, because this one's this one's coming up on a big anniversary next year. and I definitely want to have you back on to talk about this
0: album. Oh, that's 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 our that's our big album, really. When that came out, that was it. That sort of cemented and. It's, it's got some of the best songs on it you know it's it's we still people love that record and we still play it live now so oh. yeah
1: so cyan and magenta do you have a, a background in art or
0: painting is that what the oh. names come from <laughs> well it's so bizarre well well cyan came first uh-huh. and then when we were looking to name magenta i thought well it's gotta be the color and we looked at the color and i thought yeah it'd be great let's do that you know but yeah it's just a it's a strange one but uh, there'll be no more colors that's enough <laughs> no more colors
1: so this uh are, are the two bands now concurrent uh, cyan and magenta existing at the same time now
0: they are and they're completely different lineups even live now they've they's been separated which I like and um they they they're different they're different it's a different sound and you know with different guitarist it's completely different in both bands. And I love being able to to do them. It, for me, if I just had one band and I did that all the time, I'd get so bored. And I I think I'd end up repeating myself and getting lost. I mm-hmm. like at the moment that I can do a cyan album, then a magenta record, and then a solo album, and then something else. And then I'm I'm really hungry to go back and do another cyan album. And you know, if I just did that all the time. I, I get really bored. I like to go to different places, recharge my musical sort of battery, and then go back infused. So next up is a new Magenta Records, which I'm really excited about doing. So, because I've, I've done Magenta for the last, I don't know Magenta, Cyan for the next, uh, for the last eight or nine months. And I'm like, I'm worn out now. I'm like, I, I like the fact that I can mix it up a bit, really. Yeah, variety's
1: great. Let's talk about this band that you put together for Cyan because uh, you, you had obviously some some folks who helped out in the past and now you've yep. got this this new band. You mentioned Peter Jones on vocals who does a, an, an outstanding job yep. on this record. Yep. Uh, you got Dan Nelson on bass. Yeah. Uh, Luke, is it pronounced Machin? Machin? I think so, yeah, Machin, yeah, yeah. On guitar. Um, but who else contributed on, on, on this album? I'm sorry, I don't have the liner notes so I, I, I don't Yay. have all of the details.
0: Well say I play all the keyboards and a bit of a bit of acoustic guitar. And then um Luke, who's a fantastic guitarist, he's done a lot of stuff. He plays with the tangent, a band called Kanatica. He's done stuff with it bites. And he's he's he can play it fast and all that and furious, which I like, but he also writes melodic guitar lines, which I really like, and that's and he's a lovely guy, so so he's come in to do that, and then Pete, obviously, is playing saxophone and singing. Then I got a girl singer called Angharad, which is a Welsh name, and she's got a lovely voice. It's completely different to Tina's. It's um, very um, angelic, ethereal, which I love, mm-hmm. and it complements Pete's vocal. And then I say Dan Nelson plays bass, and he he, he plays in magenta. Uh, and then there's, there's a drummer called Tim Robinson, actually played on um revolutions and seven he plays the drums on those on those records uh i think that's it and what we got troy Denockley, who plays with uh nightwish and everyone else he plays uh, with iona yeah iona yeah yeah and troy's a a really good friend and and a lovely person so
1: i was going to ask you on broken man the uh I was going to ask you are those Julian pipes at the beginning and and it sounds like Troy
0: it's got to be Troy because he's, yeah. he's the go-to you know and I've used him on so many records and he's a lovely 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 man he's he's such a top person and I just any excuse to get him on a record cuz I love the sound of those pipes they really get to me you know yeah
1: they're uh, what what I wrote down is that for me this This gives the start of the song and the album, as it's the opening track, a a big cinematic feel, which is just a fantastic way to kick off the record.
0: Yeah, I think that's the record. It's, it's a big record, and I love the mixing side, and I love the recording, and I, and I love it to sound lush, and correct, and cinematic, and broad. And I love all the colors on it, all the little bits of detail. And that's my favorite part is making making the record. I, playing live is okay, but I love the studio work where I can really go to town on the production and and get it to work, you know, but. But the songs are still there, you know. It, it, it doesn't get suffocated by the production or the playing. Mm-hmm. Still, plenty of room on it, and uh, yeah, you know. So,
1: now, did you do all the production and mixing, or did someone
0: help you with this? No, I, I do. I I love all. I do it all myself, really. Mm-hmm. I I love being locked in the studio and uh, make creating this this these albums. You know, I'm I'm a huge Trevor Horn fan was a big producer you know then the 90125 and things and he's sort of he would he would do these meticulous productions which i love and, and i love all that kind of stuff and i love really getting buried in the soundscapes and stuff but uh you no know, it takes forever and it drives me mad but i love doing it <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so when were the songs for this album originally written back in the back in the 90s as i said the first album for king and country that was written as a band when i was in school but as i said you know they everybody left so i was left to carry the can and, and make the record on my own so when it came to a second album i had to write all the tunes on my own and it it, it didn't have the input of the other guys but you know it, it was it was fine and i i still loved it and um they were this is back in the sort of mid 90s really the songs have undergone such massive transformations they like it's not just a re-recording or a reworking that is mm-hmm. it's like let's let's take out the middle section like the opening track broken man that's got a complete new 5 minute middle section with lyrics and singing and it makes the track you know the, I, the middle section of that song is the best it's the best part of the album for me and it's a new part but it it makes the the rec- it makes the song work better So I'm a li- I am like going back to them And thinking right There was mistakes in the arrangement Or oh, this is a bit of a boring part Let's write a better part And some songs I think the last but one track uh, "Tomorrow Never N- oh, Tomorrow's Here Today I think it's called mm-hmm. that, that has be completely stripped back Only the vocals survived I wrote completely new chords for the whole of the song Compared to the original really So you know it's it's a lot more than just a a, a reworking or a re-recording. It's it's a, it's like a rewrite. It's like a it's like a new. I don't know how to describe it really, but it's it, you know it's 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 a big record. And what's happened is that the original album had eight tracks on it, right. and it was about sixty minutes long. And by the time I'd finished rewriting and extending all this album, I had nearly ninety minutes worth of music so i've taken two tracks off so there's only six tracks on the album compared to eight and the other two tracks will be available as a mini album in march and one of those has gone from 11 minutes up to 25 minutes it's an absolute monster it's a monster (laughs) of a track so and it it would have been too much to put on this record it would have pushed people over the edge so that's going to come out in march
1: (laughs) Great, that's great. I was going to ask you because you left off the guardians and all around the world, and I was wondering if that was just a yep. time issue, a of, of no, time I, constraints of the CD and the
0: and the album. It was just too much. It was yeah. it would have it would have it's too much too much of an assault on the brain to have an extra <laughs> twenty five minute track. So I want people to listen to that fresh as a as a little mini album. Yeah, one of the first
1: things I noticed when I uh, got the tracks for this were was that that the time uh, of each of the tracks was different and it was usually lar- longer it was uh, no, I you said, know nosferatu yeah. for example grew to 17 minutes long and uh yeah B- a broken man was longer obviously and, and and yeah so you you've definitely bulked these up Can you hear these tracks now? Is this closer to what you had in your head when you wrote them?
0: I no, I think I don't think so. I I don't think I at the time I didn't think oh you know these needed to be in a certain way. That was as I as I thought then. That's what I thought the tracks needed, you know. And mm. and I think now now they had a great. I've got an amazing guitarist and an amazing singer, and, a, and an amazing female vocal on there. It was a case of writing parts to use their talents as well. So I would think, oh, I want to write an I want a big guitar solo there because because I can. Whereas when I was doing it back in the day, I wasn't the best guitarist in the world. So my limitations meant I wouldn't have an extended guitar solo, I wouldn't have a section for singing or whatever, you know. But now I can do whatever I want, knowing that it's going to sound amazing with these players. So I think that's why it's gone so long. Yeah okay
1: well one of the tracks that uh, is going to be on the ep is uh or the mini album whatever you want to call it to all around the world of course yeah. got a run out in this release prog aid yeah. for tsunami yeah. relief this was an amazing accomplishment by you guys i i was yeah. very impressed at all of the names that have uh, appeared on this what was it like to put that together
0: oh that that was a mad one that we did that so quick to turn it around and it was me and, and another guy, uh, Matthew Cohen. He spent most of the time contacting all the artists. Mm-hmm. This would be from and the reasoning? I, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Matt, He's you know, he worked really hard, and he brought all the artists in, and it was my job to put them all into one track. And it was incredible to have all these parts coming in. And I on my mixing desk, I could bring up, and I could com I could have combinations of like Pendragon with IQ with Arena, with uh Royna Stoat or Flower Kings or I could mix and match and make this this and see what people would sound like when they played together. and it the 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 hard thing was putting everyone on, getting get everyone a moment. So it was like I had like complete vocal takes from Neil Morse and it's like, well, well, I can only use three or four lines. Then it's got to mm-hmm. jump over to Alan Reid from Palace, Then it's got to go to Nick Barrett. And then it was IQ. And it, it, it was bonkers. It was it was incredible. But, but what's weird, if you, if you look at the lineup on there, what is strange is the people that are, that are not on there, uh, who were around at the time, like Steve Wilson was around
1: mm-hmm. and
0: making music at that time, but he wasn't considered to be part of the gang you know the the, the yeah. sort of scene and the same with big with big big train they were they were around at the time but it wasn't they weren't considered to be it's so for me it's it's looking you know it's amazing all the people are on there but it's also the people that were around yeah. but weren't sort of you know they their stars hadn't shone at the time you know and it, so it's, it's 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 bizarre but um it was great experience to do you know it was it was bonkers, but um, yeah, that's 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 quite a wild. That's going back quite a bit. That is, yeah,
1: yeah. That's uh, that's um, it probably made your job a little easier not having additional you know uh musicians on it. But uh, I I like the definitive mix because you get all of those guitar solos in there. You're you're oh, able to use everybody, and, yeah. and it's it's yeah. outstanding. Do you have any idea how much money was
0: raised? God, I can't remember. It was a lot. It was a it was a lot. We did. Cause I say we had such a short window to do it and to get the money in and to the, to the appeal. It was in the thousands. It was a lot. It was a lot, you know, and, um but, but what we didn't have then, which we have now is the internet. We didn't have that. They was, it was all by the physical CD. It wasn't like by a download yeah. and we couldn't reach everyone. It was like, you had to, you had to tell people via magazines and newsletters. It was so slow. Mm. So I think if that was done now, you know, it would be a much broader, you'd get, you'd get a worldwide audience on it. So mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a, it was a strange time to do it and it's completely changed now.
1: Yeah. I think I found out about it on a message board or something. Um yeah. And there, and I was like, I have to have this. So yeah, I'm glad I, I'm glad I picked it up, but not, not only for the great cause, but because the yeah. music is fantastic as well. Uh Get back to, uh, pictures picture from the other side. Uh I know others were involved in some of the lyric writing. Where do your lyrical ideas usually start? Is it movies,
0: literature, dreams, some combination oh. of those? To be, to be honest, I'm not a fan of lyrics. A I, A, I, I don't write lyrics and I find them really tedious to do. So I always get my brother or Christina to mm. write the lyric. I love I send them me singing any old rubbish, la 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 la, the melodies. And then I fit the words to fit my melodies. And then I get that back. I do a demo, give it to Christina, she learns it, or give it to Pete. And so it's a process I don't really enjoy. And I and I'm like, I'm I'm much more happy once the lyric is in, and then I can hear the track and I, I can make the track fit the lyric. I'm always involved in the story of what the lyric will be about. And me, as I said, me and my brother are massive hammer horror and universal film fans of the the 30s and 40s so there's always some twist in the lyric um i think on this album there's there's quite a few different lyric writers on there i did a couple but it's not something i enjoy Mm. you know i enjoy coming up with the idea but not the actual writing the words it's like finding very tedious that
1: start when you write the music for a song do you start on the piano or a synthesizer or is it a combination of that or does it it's, sometimes start with a vocal melody
0: n- n- no it, it's normally it's normally on a piano Yeah you know, i got a piano here or a guitar it's one of the two i'll be playing on it just messing around i get some nice chords something will hit and then i'll record it on my phone and my phone is jam-packed full of uh Hundreds and hundreds of musical ideas, you know, and he's, and some of them you think, oh, they're rubbish. But then you go back to him and you go, oh, okay, I'll mark it down. I'll say, you know, magenta idea. Then it'll be like one, two, three, four, five. And then normally I'll get a load of them together. And then I'll start making a sort of quick demo, of, you know, a real two minute demo and throw a bit of, bit of drums, a bit of Hammond or organ on it and see if anything sticks. And then I'll write a melody. And then it, it goes from there, really. But it, I'm not one of those people that can be walking on the hillside and hear a melody. It doesn't happen. That doesn't happen to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not that clever. OK,
1: well, I think I think some people would say you, you're you pretty clever, though. Um, well, when you, I get away with it. When you do write, is there a difference when you write a song? Do you know this sounds like a cyan song or this sounds like a magenta song?
0: Yes, that that and that's, you know, even at the early stage, I will I will, I will know where it's going to go. And, you know, I've got a load of folders on my desktop, which will be Mark Cyan, Magenta, uh, solo album stuff, instrumental stuff, rock stuff or whatever. And I'll just put them in there. I, I can usually tell where it's going to go, where it's going to sit, really. And especially with Magenta, especially at the moment, because I've been doing Cyan a lot, the next Magenta record, which I'm working on, is definitely going to have a sound of its own. I think it's, the I, I, I want the I want the two to be a separate sound, so which is good, which is you know, and it's it's helped me because I I I've done God how many albums I've done with Magenta about ten eleven and loads of live albums, and um, so each album is like I I've got to find something to write about musically I got I got to know a sound or a direction. Um, Otherwise, I can't just go on. I, I'll make an album for the sake of it. I've got to be inspired by a sound. So, and I've struggled over the last couple of Magenta records. And you're thinking, oh, wh- where am I going to take it? Where am I going to go with it? And, but I've just got an idea in my head of where it should go. So I'm excited and I've written a load of stuff. I've got an album's worth of material now for the next Magenta record. And it's definitely separating from the cyan. Uh, which is a lot more bombastic and a bit more bigger, you know. But um, it's it's just writing for the vocal, it is that that's what defines them. It's, mm-hmm. it's knowing what would suit Tina to sing and what would suit Pete to sing and then Harrod. It's a completely different style. And sometimes in the past, on some of the Magenta records, if I was honest, it'd be like I would have almost forced Tina in. Onto a, onto a musical landscape that doesn't always suit her. You know, and sometimes she struggled to go, well, what, what, what am I going? How do I sing it? And I'm like, in my head, I'm hearing Peter Gabriel. And she doesn't sound like Peter Gabriel. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? So it's like, yeah. you got to go right. i got to, you got to write for the singer. And a lot of prog bands, especially the heavier bands, you hear the singer is drowned because she can't compete with the music. You, you've got to write music that complements the singer. And and that's where I think I finally realized what magenta is. And I, I can go there and cyan and go there. Yeah,
1: you know, one of the interesting things about your career in Magenta uh, and Magenta's music and album to album was that you were able to turn the page a little bit musically from album to album at times. So you, you went a little more maybe modern with uh, New York story and, and uh yeah. and maybe yeah. a little bit more heavy with metamorphosis. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and well, these that it, sounds you know, that occurred to you at the time that were appealing to you at the time.
0: Well, it was. And I get I get bored if I repeat the same thing. So as I said, I've got to find an angle for each album, and that's exactly what you described there. It was with home, I wanted to write more in the in the sort of singer songwriter, Elton John kind of vibe, you know. Yeah, and it, it, was, that's that it one. was all with an American theme, and we'd just come back from Rossfest and. I was so inspired by America and this, and I thought, well, I want to write there like Elton John and Carly Simon and Paul Simon. I wanted to have a real, still with prog overtones, but real songs on there. And that's what that album came out. And then we went and did, again, America's to blame for this for, for Metamorphosis. We went and played Neofest, where we, we sort of died to death because all the other bands on the bill were all playing like crazy technical uh, prog, whereas Rossfest was more melodic, mm-hmm. Neofest, like Magma, Alan Holdsworth, and I was like, oh my god, well we are playing these lovely tunes I can't play all that mad, crazy stuff, you know, and we sort of we were, we were, we didn't quite find out and I, I came back from it and I thought right, I'll show them, I'll write an album that's going to be really angular and uh, and we wrote Metamorphosis and people love it, you know, and it's a real hard album to play live because it's so complicated in parts, but but then you know but it was nice to do something fresh and then the next one would be a certain style and each album is different
1: yeah yeah and yet you retain that that essence of what the band is so that you don't alienate yeah. your existing
0: fans absolutely team. yeah that, that that's the job and, and, and yeah you know, it's, it's the vocal in the end and that sits on it and as long as that works you know way
1: yeah So let's talk about these songs a little bit. You mentioned Broken Man. Uh, We we talked about the the intro with those pipes. Fantastic. And then very amazing guitar work on this song, I think. Uh, Talk a little bit about the deconstruction and reconstruction of this in its new format.
0: Well, as I said, you know, the original song just had a terrible middle section on it. And I come up with this song it's like a it's like standalone song in the middle. It's got like an ABA arrangement to it. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, you go into this new part with a different time signature uh, and the Harrod sings a c- back and forth like a call and response with Pete. And it just transformed. But yeah, you know, uh, the Broken Man thing was a middle section in there, which you just needed. And it was... it was, And because when I was reworking them, that when I originally did it, that was the weakest track out of them all. But now it's the best because of this middle section, just works so much, you know, and, and each of the songs I've undergone this this rewrite. Um where when I would write the new section or just just something in the arrangement. But I knew the Pete could pull it off, and that that was the, the ace I had in my pocket. So wherever I went vocally, he could do it, you know. So that was great yeah
1: no this this uh, title track is second and i think of the early cyan music i think that was probably my favorite track but it's obviously it's been expanded it's been it's been uh, enhanced in so many ways it's it might be my favorite track on the album
0: Song that's that when I wrote it originally, you know, I, that 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 was more inspired by God. What was that inspired by? uh Like Simple Minds and things like that. It was it was it was more pop kind mm. of thing. Yeah, a verse, a chorus, and a great hook chorus that comes in, and it was also very much inspired by Camel. The middle section, it, 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 like they got a Hammond solo on it, and it very much like Pete Bardens from Camel and the Snow Goose. Mm. And when Pete, it was bizarre that Pete was playing in, plays in Camel, and uh, when he heard it, he was like, "Oh my God, it, it reminds me of Snow Goose." And I was like, "Well, that's that's what I was listening to at the time." <laughs> but now, again, you know, it, it's it's a lot more sparkly. The production's much better on it. I has got a lovely. He plays sax on it, Pete, and it's it's fantastic. The duo, yeah. sax and guitar solo, is very nice.
1: Yeah, I like the uh, I like the chorus a lot, and I love the harmony vocal in that chorus. I think works really, really well together. Um, and you know, I, I'm not going to go through every track because uh, people can go out and explore this on their own. But I did want to uh, hit upon the epic centerpiece of this record that closes it out in Osperatu, and this thing has grown to 17 minutes. Were uh, obviously things were added, were things removed from the
0: original? It was, yeah. There, there was, there was a. There was a section I had towards the end, which was like a it, it sort of the track dropped and went into this like um, Vivaldi string quartet for about two and a half minutes. And when I came to it, I thought, why did I do that? It just it, at the time, I thought it was great, but it killed the track. It killed the flow of the track. So I took it out and I can't remember what I put in. I, I just completely rewrote the way so that the whole track built. And didn't uh, disappoint to deliver on the end. And, you know, as you, if you played the track, it's got a bonkers ending where it just goes so big on the end. And it's got that, it's got a classical um, Carmilla Burana, which is like a classical piece, which is used in the Omen, in the film, the horror film, The Omen. All these voices go in and it's very, and it's over the top, but, you know, it's like, why not? I think yeah. the album needed it at the end. It needed to go there. You are. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know? it's very theatrical. It's an extremely theatrical song. It's uh, yeah. it's like it is like theater slash opera, and 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 this great narrative running throughout the uh, the record with the uh, the protagonist or the you know the the point of view of the Nosferatu talking about not really being sure if he wants to turn his love all the into way a into a vampire yeah, yeah it's yeah.
0: just yeah great story it is yeah but my brother you know my brother's uh, lyric on that and uh it's a great track and, and it, it, you know it is prog it's over the top it's it's everything but i love but that's what for me that's what, what prog's about you, you you lose yourself in it it's a story it takes you on a musical journey and you know i i think it really works On the original one, the biggest thing I did on this version, I slowed it down because on the original it was like it was going a million miles an hour, and the words were like da 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 da. I remember the guy trying to sing it originally, and he was like, "I can't sing all the words," so I slowed it right down, and now you can hear the lyric. And Peter's like, "Whoa, thank God you slowed it down," and it's a lot more. It's much. It's got a much more gravitas now.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that uh, 100%. So do you have a favorite track on this record?
0: Whoa. Oh, God, I don't know. It's like, uh, I think the open, Broken Man is for me, just because I love the middle part. I, I love the completeness. There's not an ounce of fat on it. It's just every every hook is lovely. All the performances are great. I think, you know, that. that's, I think that's my favorite. And it's great to play alive as well, so.
1: Yeah. You mentioned live and I want to, uh, wanted to bring that up. You are now a, a live
0: band. You're performing where you, yeah. you were at Prague end. Is that correct? We did, we did the, what did we do? We've done two festivals in the UK, uh, summer's end and summer's fusion. End. And we did the, uh, God, what's it called the one uh, night of the progs in Germany, which is the big, uh, open air one in Germany. We did that, uh, with, Uh, Nick Mason uh, and his Saucer Full of Secrets, they were playing Mm. on the same bill. So we did that. That was a lovely, amazing show to play. And the the band, you know, they're all such great players that we stormed it, really. It was was lovely. It's great to play. Do you have uh, more shows uh, lined up for this? Yeah, we're planning shows now for next year. So we're in the middle of getting the dates together, getting people's diaries together. And we'd love to come over to the States. We'd love to come and bring the band over because it's such a great band. It's lovely, but it's such a nightmare getting over with visas and yeah. and all the Brexit stuff that we've had over here, all the, the crazy nuts with our, all the self-inflicted wounds that we've done <laughs> over here with the madness of our governments at the moment. So it's quite hard to play anywhere.
1: Yeah, you can well you can blame our government for the for the not being able to come over here very often then and, and oh. then your government for the the uh, go into the continent.
0: <laughs> oh honestly, oh, God, it's just crazy. There you are. But yeah. I'm sure we'll sort something out. Well, because I
1: ask because selfishly I would love to see a live DVD of a of a cyan performance, obviously. And I'm sure you would too.
0: That's coming that's that's next when we do these dates next year one of them we'll film one of them and uh now we've got two albums worth of material to play we'll do a big show and get everyone t- to come and play it and uh we'll put it out on uh, blu-ray yeah that's definitely for next year on my to-dos the days go
2: floating by but still no hope does she aspire lost on uncharted seas caught in the ocean's grasp she sailed the sail
1: Well when uh, we're here talking about this record which means it was put to bed a while ago you you mentioned a new magenta album coming and this new mini ep coming when can we expect those do you think
0: I think the the mini album will be um March April it depends on the, when we do the shows and then the magenta album I think that's going to be late summer I think you know I am starting recording I've written it all And I'm really excited by it, but I haven't, we haven't got the lyrics. And, uh, but yeah, it's going to be next year. And again, we'll do some shows and film them, do a one off show with the magenta. So, yeah.
1: And is there a a new Robert Reed solo album also in the works?
0: That's what I'm working on as we speak today. I've been working on that. That's come in as well. So, I just like to, to break it all up and cleanse the musical palette, really, by doing something completely different. So,
1: yeah. Now, in the meantime, are you also producing other artists?
0: I haven't got time. I haven't got time to do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I. 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 It takes a lot of work. I've been asked to do stuff, but I, I haven't got the time, and it yeah. is so mentally uh, exhausting to do that. It's bad enough dealing with uh, my own bands, leave alone someone else's <laughs> problems. So, uh, no
1: all right uh robert when uh, when somebody listens to cyan pictures from the other side this new version all the way through maybe they're in the dark they get the music up loud they got their eyes closed they're thinking about it what do you want them to take away from that experience
0: oh i i just hope they can connect with the melodic the melodies the emotion and pete's vocal and and just is and to escape into the sonics of the record and the emotion. That's what I want. You know, that's that's what I did as a kid in the dark with the headphones on. So, uh, you know, that's what I want. I've made this record for that. It's an experience for 60 minutes. You're in this cinematic landscape with these great performances, and that's what I want. Fingers crossed.
1: <laughs> well, the album is called Pictures from the Other Side. comes out November 17th. Is this a self-released album?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, I run my own label so all my releases come out on my own label we've got a little Mm. team that does it so yeah okay and uh hey i
1: i've enjoyed learning about this record from you and and talking to you about it i i hope that it does really well for you i think it's fantastic and uh we're looking forward to the next one
0: going well hopefully next year i think at the end of next year we'd have another cyan album so fingers crossed but it's been great to play anyway and uh and thanks for taking the time to to speak about it